1: This is True Crime Psychology and Personality, where we discuss the pathology behind some of the most horrific crimes and those who committed them from a scientifically informed perspective. I'm Dr. Todd Grande. I have a Ph.D. in Counselor Education and Supervision, and I'm a licensed professional counselor of mental health. Dr. Todd Grande, that's my YouTube channel. Today's question asks if I can analyze the situation with Shia LaBeouf he has been named in a lawsuit filed by Talia Barnett. Just a reminder, I'm not diagnosing anybody in this video, only speculating about what could be happening in a situation like this. If you enjoyed this video, please like it, subscribe to my channel, and consider supporting me on Patreon. I'll put the link to Patreon in the description for this video. First, I'll cover the background of LaBeouf, then I'll move to my analysis. Shia LaBeouf was born in Los Angeles, California on June 11. 1986. His father had a number of odd jobs, and his mother was an artist. LaBeouf described his parents as pretty weird people. LaBeouf said that his father was abusive and used alcohol and drugs. His father used to take him along to AA meetings. How's that for encouraging? Like his father was saying, you might as well get a head start. That doesn't seem to be a good parenting move. LaBeouf said he grew up poor, but he had a good childhood overall. His parents would eventually divorce due to trouble with money. LaBeouf started his acting career when he was 10 years old. He performed at comedy clubs. He went on to start acting in television shows and movies starting in 1998. He is probably best known for his role in three of the Transformers movies. In 2013, he was accused of plagiarizing a comic to make a short film. By 2014, he was consuming excessive quantities of alcohol he started getting involved in performance art, engaging in a number of stunts consistent with that profession, like when he went to the Berlin Film Festival with a bag over his head that had the words, I am not famous anymore, written on it. LaBeouf managed to accumulate an extensive criminal history in addition to his acting experience. In 2007, he was arrested after a fight with a neighbor in Van Nuys, California. 2008, he was arrested after driving into another vehicle he was intoxicated. 2011, he was in a bar fight in Sherman Oaks, California. 2014, he was drunk during a musical performance and was arrested during the intermission. Ultimately, he would plead guilty to disorderly conduct. He sought treatment for alcohol use after that incident. In 2015, he was arrested in Austin, Texas, due to being intoxicated and disorderly. In 2017, he was arrested for public intoxication, obstruction and disorderly conduct in Savannah, Georgia, and in September of 2020 in Los Angeles, he was charged with petty theft and battery. In December 2020, a 32-year-old musician named Talia Barnett, who goes by the name FKA Twigs, filed a lawsuit against LaBeouf and made a number of allegations about his behavior that occurred in 2018 and 2019 when she was dating LaBeouf. Specifically, the lawsuit contains five complaints—sexual battery, battery, assault, intentional infliction of emotional distress, and gross negligence. Let's take a look at the allegations contained in the lawsuit. It is important to remember that these items are, in fact, allegations. They have not been proven to any degree in a court of law. In my summary, I'm not necessarily listing these items in the order they were presented in the complaint, and I'm often paraphrasing. The complaint talks about how the relationship between the pair developed. LaBeouf and Barnett met while filming the movie Honey Boy in 2018. They would become romantically involved. After dating for just two weeks, LaBeouf dramatically professed his love for Barnett, engaging in over-the-top displays of affection. Within a few months, he convinced her to live at his residence in Los Angeles. After she moved in, he changed. There were frequent bouts of rage and jealousy he started becoming abusive in a variety of ways. Allegedly, he would verbally berate her for hours about insignificant subject matters, like her lack of taste for art. He would count the number of times Barnett kissed him during a given day, and if she missed a target number, he would berate her. LaBeouf had what the complaint refers to as delusions, which involved him keeping firearms because he thought that gang members were going to attack him. At some point, LaBeouf allegedly started engaging in a number of physical attacks. He attacked her one evening when she was in bed, towering over her and squeezing her body and arms. After this, he began to strangle her while whispering, if you don't stop me, you are going to lose me. LaBeouf threw Barnett to the ground outside of a hotel. He drove around maniacally and took off his seatbelt, saying that he would crash the car unless she professed eternal love for him. When she tried to escape from the vehicle, He threw her against the car and tried to strangle her violently as he screamed in her face. As the relationship continued, so did his efforts to control and manipulate. LaBeouf allegedly forced Barnett to watch documentaries about women who were murdered and would not let Barnett sleep with any clothes on. Perhaps he just read the Norman Bates Guide to Better Dating, or perhaps another little-known title, Achieve Relational Success with Keith Raniere. It's really important to read about the author before investing in a book. Barnett claimed that LaBeouf exhibited a dangerous and illegal use of firearms. A few examples bragging about possessing a firearm illegally and driving around Los Angeles shooting stray dogs in an effort to get into his character for the movie The Tax Collector. Barnett started planning ways to escape the relationship. She started distancing herself from LaBeouf, but because he was so controlling and watching her frequently, it was difficult and dangerous for Barnett to get away. One day when she was packing, preparing to escape, LaBeouf appeared unannounced and saw what was happening. He violently grabbed her, lifted her off the ground, and kept her in a room against her will as he screamed at her. LeBuff allegedly transmitted an STD to Barnett. She confronted him about unusual symptoms she was having, and he admitted that he knew he had an STD. But he tried to cover up the visible symptoms with makeup. The complaint doesn't actually say what disease LaBeouf allegedly had. Many people have theorized it was herpes. Barnett and LaBeouf went to receive counseling. LaBeouf wanted to repair the relationship, but then he tried to act like he was the victim. Ultimately, LaBeouf found another romantic partner and rejected Barnett via text message. The complaint goes on to talk about how other people have witnessed some of LaBeouf's bad behavior. The complaint specifically states that LaBeouf's recklessness makes him a danger to women everywhere. Interestingly, the complaint states that Barnett did not want to file a complaint. She approached LaBeouf and encouraged him to receive mental health care and make a donation to a domestic violence shelter. Instead of taking those steps, LaBeouf minimized the seriousness of his behavior, saying specifically that the STD, was not that bad. He attempted to intimidate Barnett and use personal messages to embarrass her. If Barnett wins an award, she intends to donate a significant portion of it to victims of domestic violence. LaBeouf responded to this complaint by saying a few different things. I have been abusive to myself and everyone around me for years. I have a history of hurting the people closest to me. I'm ashamed of that history, and I'm sorry to those I hurt. He told the New York Times that many of the allegations in the civil suit were not true, which of course is different than saying none of them are true.
0: As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. Come play with us.
1: Now, moving to the analysis. LaBeouf said that he suffers from PTSD, and there is this theory that he has difficulty controlling his alcohol use. He had a rough childhood and was interested in escaping poverty. When he did start making money, he supported many of his family members, and there was a lot of pressure on him to keep working. He had a contentious relationship with his father in addition to the allegations that his father mistreated him, we see an awkward dynamic emerged when LaBeouf was the one earning the money and supporting his father. LaBeouf's use of alcohol diminished some of his pain, but as always, the alcohol use created more problems than it solved and put him in an even worse situation. Even though he had a lot of trouble with the law, which occupied much of his time, he has been incredibly productive as an actor and earned millions of dollars. He was able to achieve his goal of becoming wealthy. Now, in looking at these allegations, if some or all of the allegations were true, what could be happening in a situation like this? The behavior in the complaint does seem consistent with somebody who is consuming too much alcohol. It could also be consistent with PTSD. That disorder manifests in a variety of ways, so it's difficult to know. Outside the allegations of physical harm, I found it interesting that the complaint contains so much detail about the alleged manipulation component. This is not always touched on during legal proceedings. Often the law focuses on items that are easier to prove, like when one person physically strikes another. It's almost like the complaint is getting at this idea that LaBeouf could be narcissistic. Looking at the alleged behavior, there seems to be love bombing, like LaBeouf really turned on the charm, and there were grand displays of affection to get Barnett To like him. There is the commitment. She moves into his residence, and then everything changes. His behavior becomes harmful and antagonistic. This is a familiar pattern often associated with narcissism. It will be interesting to see what happens with this part of the complaint. Again, the physical component is usually fairly clear. There's either evidence to support that or there's not. But with the narcissism-related components, like the relational, affective, and cognitive angle, it becomes much more difficult to prove. Often the argument is made that it takes two people to have these interactions. How do we know that they weren't manipulating each other to some extent? How do we really figure out who is guilty? The reality is that even though people often recognize narcissistic attitudes and manipulation, the law often does not offer a good remedy for victims. For example, looking at the intentional infliction of emotional distress claim. Many times when we see those claims in various lawsuits, they're talking about behavior that does happen in real life, but it speaks to a state of mind and touches on emotions that can be difficult to interpret. I think people often look at these situations and believe there's two sides to every story, whereas, again, with physical abuse, it's just easier to figure out. The person doing the striking is responsible. There's no excuse for that behavior. Narcissists are often successful because they can't avoid consequences. They can blame the victim, and when that happens in court, the result is often a draw. A jury looks at both parties and says things like, You did this to each other. You chose to be together. What makes one emotion more valid than the other? What makes one emotion more painful than the other? We are not getting involved in this fight. Love is challenging. It's supposed to be painful. The same thing can happen when two business people end up in a lawsuit. The members of the jury just throw their hands up and say, go figure it out. Business is supposed to be competitive and difficult. Something else that occurs to me with this particular case is that alcohol can really confuse situations. LaBeouf has given a number of interviews. He has apologized for much of his behavior. He always seems sincere and sometimes even quite rational. I can see why people are often convinced that To give him additional chances. The difficulty is that alcohol can create kind of a Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde effect. For example, looking at the footage of LaBeouf being arrested in Georgia, we see someone who does not appear to be rational. In addition to a number of racist comments, he said, I have more millionaire lawyers than you know what to do with. He was talking to a police officer. The irony is that some are probably millionaires because of all the business that LaBeouf gives them. He's really a humanitarian to the world of attorneys it amazes me how many people defend lebuff no matter what he does wrong they refer to his bad behavior as hiccups lapses in judgment momentary failures they say he is a performance artist and we should just forgive anything he does that is harmful he is a misunderstood and tragic hero here to help people transcend to a new level of understanding art once again with celebrities talent or perceived talent, compensates for a multitude of sins, which in addition to potentially creating other victims, makes somebody like Lebuff a victim as well. If the allegations against Lebuff are true, he needs to be held accountable. Continually giving people like this a pass actually hurts them in the long run. Paradoxically, believing in a celebrity against logic and reason is actually the worst thing for the celebrity. It enables them on a grand scale. For those who use alcohol excessively, enabling is their worst enemy, disguised as their best friend. This has been True Crime Psychology and Personality from Ars Longa Media. This content is for educational and entertainment purposes only. Ars Longa, Vita Brevis.